Priority Talk. My name is Nate Williams. Greg Davis had to slide out for the second hour, but I'll take us to 7 o'clock. And we're going to talk a little bit of Bible, theology, Jesus, and some encouragement. Because let me tell you, I was in preparation for the show. I was just looking at different headlines, different articles, and I was getting a little mad. I'm I'm not going to lie. I was reading about how Hamas will... They, they'll they'll set up shop underneath hospitals and their tunnels and they'll store ammunition they'll store they'll just hide away behind or under hospitals so that if Israel attacks them lots of civilians will die and it'll make Israel look bad I'm just like Ugh, that makes me mad that makes me angry like, that's the cowardly way out That is not how things are supposed to go when two civilized nations uh, are in war. There are certain uh, laws in place that are, you know, war is ugly. We can't escape that. We can't get away from that. But there are certain rules and laws you can abide by to try to make it just a little bit better. I was reading about how Hamas will use... uh, an ambulance to to get around get uh, because nobody's going to attack an, an an ambulance right if i could speak english no one is going to attack an ambulance because there's probably yeah emts inside nurses doctors whoever medical supplies don't do that but then no it's terrorists trying to get around without being caught anyways regardless the point of what i'm trying to say is that i was getting a little mad i was reading these things and I had to chill for one moment. I had to take a step back, and I had to think, all right, me getting mad right now, what does that do? And it's a whole lot of nothing, to be honest. But other than that, I can also talk about it on the show. That part's useful. But then I came across a headline I was encouraged by, and it put things into perspective for me. Uh, Here's the headline. Muslims in Gaza come to Christ after seeing Jesus in dreams. A report says it was a miracle. And apparently throughout this conflict between Israel and Hamas, there are people coming to Christ. In, in, uh, and I was also talking with some international missionaries over the last couple of days, and they say the same thing happens in Russia and Ukraine, that there is a movement in Ukraine for God, for Christ. Uh, people are coming to salvation because of the war. It makes people think of uh, the supernatural. It makes people think of life after death. What, what is the meaning and purpose of all these things? So war can lead people to Christ. And I was also seeing how Jesus apparently is appearing to Muslims in the Middle East throughout this crisis. And I was brought something I needed perspective that yes some of these things are maddening when you read the underhanded evil tactics used by terrorists you get mad i understand that because that's me but then i also see how god's moving and i have to do something that's very difficult for me to do which is to take my hands they're bundled up in fists and I'm, I'm mad I'm angry at the world and I'm like how could this person do this how could that person do that and I have to let it go 
I have to open my hands and be like, all right, God, uh, we need you. I know you're doing something. You are doing a work. You are moving. You are acting. You are bringing people to salvation, even when I don't always understand what's going on. I don't always know why. The example I use, I'll often teach apologetics classes, um, whether at my local church or at uh, Wallace State Community College through uh, the Bible study we have there Wednesday afternoons. And uh, during these apologetics classes, the example I use is a dog going to the vet. All right. When your dog, or it could be any pet, I just think of a dog, when your dog is really sick and you take your dog to the vet, and let's say the vet does certain things to your pet, your your faithful fluffy Fido, and uh, let's say there are shots or procedures, a surgery, whatever needs to be done, does your dog understand what's going on? No. You can tell your, your pet all you want, oh, fluffy Fido... Uh, it's it'll be better, and the vet's just gonna do this and and that, and and then you got to take these uh this medicine and whatever. You'll you'll get better. You're feeling sick, and we're trying to help. Your dog does not understand, but you, the owner, you know what you're doing is right, and you're trying to help. I think sometimes that's how it is with God. We ask God, why do these things happen? What's going on? I don't like the way I feel. I don't like that this happened in the world. And I'm mad over this crisis and that catastrophe. And God's like, all right, Fluffy Fido, except that's not our names. You get what I'm, where I'm going with this analogy. What God is saying is, you're not going to understand right now. You don't get what I'm doing. And I know things are painful and comfortable. There's a lot of evil in the world because of our free will the free will of humans, but God is still moving and active. And I read the story about, uh, again, just Jesus appearing to Muslims in dreams, drawing people to Christ. And it made me think of Psalm chapter two. Now we're not going to stay in Psalm two. We're actually going to move to Philippians because that's what I talked about last week. But um, we're going to go over the second chapter of Philippians. Uh, But we'll we'll, we'll pause for a moment in Psalm 2 because I think it is something good for us to read about God being in control. Verse 1, this is the psalmist. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Now, read verse 4 with me, or listen more accurately. The one enthroned in heaven, so this is God, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger. And terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. And it goes on. uh, but, But the overall point that I'm trying to get to for Psalm 2 is that God is in the heavens and he knows. He knows. He He hears your cries. He hears your prayers. Maybe it's not something personally happening to you, but maybe you, like me, you're reading what's going on in the Middle East and it kind of ticks you off. Just the 
ugliness of the human heart, which the Bible does talk about. Uh, the Bible talks about it extensively. In Jeremiah, it says that the human heart is wicked and deceitful. And Romans talks about how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the Bible gets human nature correct, that we can be very, very ugly. And I'm not just pointing the finger at other people, though, you know, in, in my selfishness, that, that can be fun. It's, it's, it's more enjoyable when you're pointing out the flaws of others. But, hey, it's me as well. The things I do, the things I say. Uh, sometimes I don't treat my white wife uh, the way I should. Uh, I don't treat my friends the way I should. I don't serve my church, my community the way I should. I have some real ugly thoughts and uh, words. I speak hastily and uh, let's just say sometimes I'm driving and there's a little road rage. I'm not a fan of uh, certain tactics that people will pull on me. And then I think some very ugly things in my heart that's not the way a Christian should think, etc. The list goes on. There's a lot of ugliness there. But God's in control. Verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. That God is judge, not you and me. And one of the things about pride that we have in our hearts is we look at God and we say, if I was you, I would do better. If I was you, I would create a better world. And I think that's really the way Satan thought in his rebellion. He's like, I'm this beautiful, amazing angel and uh, Lucifer, and I could do a better job than God. Look at me, how wonderful, how intelligent I am. And that's what we need to repent of and what I have to repent of often. When I get mad at the world, sometimes I think, well, if I was God, I would, I would do so much better. Man, I can be real silly sometimes, and maybe that's you. So together we can read Psalm 2 and know that God is in control. And I hope that brings some comfort for you. I want to hopefully make this, the rest of this show, pretty, pretty positive. Uh, we'll, we'll get into Philippians chapter 2, the humility of Jesus that we can model. And uh, we'll, we'll get more into Paul's uh, very famous uh, letter, great letter. I love Philippians. Four chapters of awesomeness. So we'll talk about those things. And I would like for the tone of the second hour to be positive because uh, let's just say me earlier, it wasn't that way. And I was just thinking, man, we live in a, we live in a messed up world, which brings me back to the love of God that even though we are very messed up, God loves us. And he provides and he protects and he's preparing a place for us in, in heaven. You think of the words of Jesus, I go to prepare a place for you. Anyways, things we can look forward to on this Wednesday night. Again, Greg and I have started doing this thing. It was Greg's idea, Bible study, second hour on Wednesdays, because many of you, you might not be able to for various reasons. Maybe you're working or you're driving, whatever it might be. You're not able to be involved in your local church on Wednesdays because oftentimes Sundays and Wednesdays are church days. Can't be a part of a Bible study, small group, 
anything like that. Well, if you can't because of life situations, life circumstances, be a part of something like that, the least we could do is read the Bible with you. And that's what we're trying to do. So Philippians chapter two, when we return, this is Truth 101.1, Priority Talk, Good News, Christian Values. Here at Priority Talk, we're showcasing our longest-running advertiser and good friend of the show, Today's Family Dentistry, your family hometown dental practice, conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Ki Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians and a friendly staff who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with all the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield, all kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment at 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry, located in downtown Coleman, directly behind the Coleman County Courthouse. That's 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly hometown dentist in Coleman. Alabama. This is Robert Jeffress, Bible teacher on Pathway to Victory. Thank you so much for listening to Priority Talk with my friend, Greg Davis, right here on WXJC. As we head further into the second hour, I hope everyone's doing well. If you're driving out there, be careful. Uh, Be careful. I was down in Montgomery for the last couple days, and it it got to be a little rainy. And I know uh, I saw this one truck. It was a Dodge Ram. I don't know why I remembered necessarily that detail, but it was a Dodge Ram, big purple truck. And I'm driving with my Civic. And this guy, assuming it's a male, I could be wrong. This guy goes, I want to say, four lanes over. Starts at the very leftmost lane. I guess he had to make an exit. And uh, I think it was exit 171 or 172 down there in uh, in Montgomery. And to make the exit, he went diagonal right across the highway, right in front of me probably who knows 10 15 feet i could be exaggerating i don't know but if you're driving out there be safe a lot of craziness and uh, look both ways Uh, use your blinkers those mythical things that are in your car to let people know where you want to go i know it's crazy but it's there and it's useful anyways i hope you're having a good night this is nate williams glad to be with you And we are going to dive into Philippians chapter 2. Words of Paul in the amazing, wonderful, great book of the Bible. um, uh, Great book that is the Bible. Uh, This is all about the humility of Christ. Let's do a little Bible study together. 
verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So right out of the gate, Paul's swinging. Paul is letting us know, hey, the, as Christians, this is how we are to be and doesn't doesn't hold back. And we'll get into why he says these things in verse five. Um, but he says, all right, be united, be like minded, be loving, be one in spirit, one mind. Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Value others above yourselves, looking out for the interests of others. And man. That's difficult. My goodness, that is difficult. But I think it's important because, uh, well, well, before I get there, let's talk about this for one moment. What does it mean to be unified? I will spin on my head metaphorically just thinking about all these different thoughts. What does it mean to be unified? That's tricky because churches aren't unified. Our politics are not unified. What part of our life is unified? It, it, not a lot of areas, let me tell you. But as Christians, we're supposed to have this thing called unity. And now people much smarter than myself have, have talked about this at length, written about it, studied it. But I think our unity comes from our core faith in Christ. You and I, we can't save ourselves. That's the difference between Christianity and other religions. That other religions will tell you what you can do. Uh, do this. Don't do that. And if you if your good outweighs your bad in the end, you'll get into whatever version of heaven that religion believes in. And that's just depressing because I don't know about you, but my good and my bad, uh, let's just say the scales are tipped in one direction. And obviously under Christian theology, we know that the standard is perfection. So if you've sinned ever, you've fallen short because our God is holy, mighty, and perfect. And so we have unity about the gospel of Jesus, that he saves us. We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. So that's one, one doctrinal thing we can unify over. And then also, I think we can unify in mission as well, even though, again, progressive Christians might disagree with me on some of these things. But let's take the poor. We're supposed to help the poor. That's in the New Testament, major emphasis in the Old Testament. Okay, wonderful. We might disagree on what's the best policy for doing so, but that's what we're supposed to do. Okay, what about those, the orphans and the widows? Well, James talks about it. Again, it's a major Old Testament theme. Let's go help out those who are, who are defenseless and voiceless as a pro-life person, I think of automatically of the unborn. Uh, let's see. We're supposed to love justice. Okay. So if someone's been treated uh, with, uh, unjustly, we want to try to help fix that situation and make things better. You would think mission, we'd be unified as well. You have the Great Commission. We are united in mission 
over the Great Commission, that we are to go into all the world and make disciples and uh, go into all the nations of the world and tell people about Jesus. A uh, different, a uh, couple different versions of the Great Commission in the Bible, but the most famous one, Matthew twenty-eight. That's what we're supposed to do. Okay, so unified, hopefully, in doctrine over the gospel. Major in the majors, minor in the minors. Uh, keep the main thing, the main thing, and then we should be unified in mission to evangelize and to serve the poor and the needy and the homeless and the the sick, the injured, the outcast, the rejected. And uh, also to help uh, to stand for strong legislation, good laws against criminals so that criminal behavior is not allowed, so that there is peace. And uh, so you'd think there would be unity and mission as well. But anyways, just some thoughts on my end. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Oh, man, that's tricky. Because I don't know about you, even some of the good things I do, I don't do it for the right motives. Uh, then next part, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Man, who sucker punch right there. Value others above yourselves. How are we doing there? Husbands out there, are we loving our wives? Wives, are we loving our husbands? How are we treating our children recently? Are we patient with them? Are we kind? Or are we snappy and biting and sarcastic and mean? Well, kids out there, are we listening to our parents? Are we respecting authority? Just things to think about. And then you get to the, the reason why in verse 5. So I'm going to go on with the chapter. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Le you want a theology roundhouse powerful passage right there? We do this because we want to model the love of Christ, the example that Christ Jesus uh, set for us when he uh, came to earth and lived uh, for several decades on the earth. That must have been difficult. Have you ever spent time thinking about this? Um, I was just wondering, what must have that been like? One moment you're in the heavens, right? Tons and tons of angels. Everyone singing your praise. Now, it's not my praise. I can't imagine that. And I don't deserve that. Uh, so, so it's not me. But but you're God right now. You're, you're Jesus. And, and everyone's singing your praises. You, you are holy, mighty, wonderful. You go from that to being born in a manger, a dirty manger, around animals. And then you got to deal with these annoying creatures called humans you have to live with them 
What what is that like? I, I wonder. I just I can't wait to ask Jesus some questions. <laughs> I just I just don't even know. Have you thought about that much? I know I have. Uh, I just wow. When when he's talking to the disciples and there are many uh, arguments and conversations and it just does he ever roll his eyes? It's like come on guys, are you this silly? Are you this? whatever insults he can think um whatever is appropriate because jesus never sinned i know some of the insults i can think of are sinful so jesus never sinned so whatever great pg rated insults he could come up with like come on guys what are we doing here anyways jesus took the very nature of a servant and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross that jesus died for us in a very humiliating manner that that cross was for the worst of criminals and people uh, spit at him and and mocked him and it, it was ugly and awful and people whether i assume jesus and his uh trial his sham trial was well publicized but just even if you didn't know Jesus' situation and you were walking by a road if you just saw someone on the cross you were like oh that person must have been pretty terrible and or oh that person really messed up with some high-ranking people and it was humiliating and Jesus did that for us that's the humility we are to have that if God could do that husbands you can love your wives. Wives, you can love your husbands. Children, you can obey your parents. Workers, you can respect your boss. Bosses, you can treat your co-workers right. Like, if God himself could do all of these things out of his love for you and for me, uh, what, what is our excuse? What are we going to say? What can we say? Oh, I'm too good for that. No, you're not. No, you are not. And no, I'm not. Oh, I don't need to do that. I don't need to love in that way. I don't need to serve in that way. I don't need to give in that way. Philippians chapter 2. Or read the Gospels. Just, you know, different ways of getting to the same conclusion. God's love is endless. How strong is our love? And this is where, again, sometimes if I go too much in this direction, I can head towards legalism. Do better. Be better. Be a better person. Try harder. No. Obviously, this is all made possible by the transformation of the Holy Spirit living inside of all of us as believers. That we pray that the Holy Spirit takes the sinfulness, the selfishness, the pride, the arrogance, the ugliness in our hearts every day. It's like, Holy Spirit, cleanse me so that I may do the will of God. Because, hey, if it's up to me, man, it's not good. Let me just tell you that. We're going to head to break, but we'll keep walking through Philippians chapter 2. And so... Already, if your rear end's not a little bit sore, I don't know, maybe I'm not doing a great job of explaining things, but when we get to the next section, it's a little bit more of that as well, just convicting things. We really need to think about, repent from, repent of, and give our lives over to Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 12 when we return uh, from our break. 
Good news. Christian values. That's what Priority Talk Radio is all about. Join President of ALCAP, Greg Davis, along with co-host and apologist, Nate Williams, to hear about the latest news through a Christian lens with a focus on politics and ministry. Ultimately, everything points to God. Join us weeknights from 5 to 7 p.m. on Truth 101 WXJC. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like, Hey, hey, Nate Williams here. Greg Davis had to slip out for the second hour, and we will go till 7 o'clock. Remember, we're on Mondays through Fridays from 5 to 7. Check out our website, PriorityTalkRadio.com. And also, remember that we have a podcast as well. So if you miss a part of the show, make sure to go back and find that. It's on uh, most major podcast carriers, Priority Talk. We're continuing on with Philippians chapter 2 famous book of the Bible by someone important named Paul. If you do not know who Paul is, I would definitely read the book of Acts. Acts is action-packed, great theology, great doctrine. Things are kept moving. They're humming, talking about the spread of Christianity after the ascension of Jesus. And if you want to learn more about Jesus, I would check out the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, if People will often ask me, hey, Nate, where should I start with the Bible? And in my mind, I know there's different thoughts here. In my mind, you can never go wrong reading about Jesus personally. Now, I don't think you want to necessarily stay just there in the Gospels, because to understand the Gospels fully, You need to know the Old Testament as well to understand uh, sin and sacrifices and the nation of Israel uh, leading up to the church. And so you have Genesis and Exodus. You have different Old Testament books that are important. But oftentimes I'll start with the life of Jesus. And I often go Mark or John. Mark is great. It's short, again, action-packed, immediately Immediately, immediately, again, uh, the the chapters just almost gives you whiplash in a way. It's moving real fast. Mark is a great book. And then if you want more of a deeper Christology, which is the study of Christ, uh, just deeper theology, uh, I would definitely go to the book of John. But anyways, learn about Jesus there. Learn about the spread of Christianity in Acts, and then you'll learn about someone named Paul, also known as Saul of Tarsus. And uh, Paul is the Greek name, uh, Paulos, I think, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I went to Beeson Divinity School, so my my Greek professor, uh, one of them was Dr. Thielman. So every time I try to pronounce a word in Greek, I just imagine him uh, being saddened hearing my pronunciation. But anyways, Paul is Greek and then Saul is Hebrew. And my Hebrew professor was uh, Dr. Genelette. And so again, same thing. I try to pronounce something. I imagine them just being deeply hurt and saddened by my attempt. Regardless, uh, that's the name of Paul who wrote Philippians. All that, let's jump into verse 12, which is where we le- where we left off. Therefore, my dear friends... 
as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Here we go. Every once in a while, I'll see this verse and I'll just, I was like, all right, Holy Spirit, I, I hear you. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. All right, Josh, I'm going to ask you a question in a moment. I'll read this passage, but I'll, I'll kick it to you in a moment. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Verse 14. <clears throat> Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Josh, how are we with that? Are you able to do everything without complaining at least a little bit? Maybe we're washing the dishes. Maybe I need to work on that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> washing the dishes, doing the laundry. You're heading home from a long day of work and uh, your spouse calls. It's like, oh, great. You're coming home. Can you swing by the store? And I'm like, I don't want to swing by the store. Don't make me. I want to go home and I want to sit down. And uh, let's see, do everything without grumbling or arguing. I'm really bad at this. I, I am. And I'm just, again, you think of the example Jesus set. All right. Do I love those around me? Now, I have to be careful here because sometimes people can take advantage of you being nice. So this does not mean completely remove your spine, completely just be a marshmallow pillow doormat for people to walk over. So I do need to be careful. Some of us can be a little too giving to the point where we overextend ourselves. And at that point, yes, we start to suffer a little bit with our energy, our, our motivation. Okay, so I, I don't want to encourage people to do things to the point of hurting yourself. But for many of us, that's not the case. We could do more, and we could do more joyfully, and we choose not to. So verse 14 always kicks me in the pants. But yeah, going back to verse 12, um, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That, that's an interesting phrase. Some people, if, if they want more of a works-based salvation, trying to earn your place in heaven with God, they'll look at this and they might think, hey, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do good things, and then you'll earn your salvation. I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. I don't believe so. It's, uh, it's knowing where you stand before God. That's the approach I take. Always have a thermometer in spiritually to, to take your spiritual temperature for those of you out there who don't really think of spiritual things, I'd encourage you to do so. Where are you tonight before God? Have we checked in in a while? How are we with reading our Bible and reading the, uh, reading the word and, and praying? 
What about church? Maybe we've been slacking. We watched some college football late Saturday night. And then, oh, man, church is just so early. Again, we, we look at Jesus and then we look at the excuses we come up with. And, and let me tell you, the excuses lack in persuasiveness. Jesus died for our sins and we don't go to church because it's a little cold. Jesus loved us unconditionally, had to deal with people for three plus decades. And our excuse for why we don't get involved in church is because we're a little busy. Like, come on now. Come on, you guyses. Again, uh, I'll just say that because I remember moving down to the South. I would occasionally say, you guys, and people would just roundly mock me. They would say, you guys, what are you, a northerner? I'm like, yeah, I kind of am. Come from uh, Maryland area. And so, uh, uh, you guys, y'all, come on now. We can do better than that. Let's let's just check our hearts. Let's check our motives. Let's let's just check ourselves before God. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has a plan. Let's not fight it. And then uh, let's see, going down to verse 15. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life. Then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you, too, should be glad and rejoice with me. Glad and rejoice. Is that our general uh, temperament? I think one thing I often pray about is for God to give me the joy in seeing him move. Because sometimes I can get down. I, I can I see all the work I need to do. I see just where our culture is sometimes. And I get so focused on those things that, like I said, this was how I started out the second hour of the show. God is moving. God is active. He is doing a good work. Do you believe that? If you do, let's be glad and rejoice that we do not labor in vain. We're not wasting our time. We're not wasting our effort that we worship a a wonderful and mighty and holy God. Do we believe that or do we just talk about it? Because if you believe that and if I believe that, it should be reflected in our demeanor. It should genuinely change the way that we carry ourselves Now, again, I have to be careful because people can take things too far. You are allowed to be sad and angry at times. If someone you love passes away, you're going to mourn. You're going to be saddened by that. If someone does something frustrating, you might get mad. Hey, it happens. It does. But those things should not generally define our being on a normal, average day-to-day In your daily life, if everything's normal, uh, how are we? Do we have a joyful demeanor? I think that's something I could do a lot better at. Anyways, uh, we're going to head to break, and then we will close out Philippians chapter 2. It's been a great little study. I've enjoyed doing that, and uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Text in 205-941-1019. 
1.1. Let's be thinking about the life of Christ and how more and more we can become like him as we live. Priority Talk. Marketing can be overwhelming because the marketing landscape is full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with a purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team. Call them at 205-332-3728. That's 205-332-3728. Or go to their website at dotedison.com. Hey, everybody, this is Kurt Cameron, and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. As we head towards 7 o'clock in the end of our show tonight, remember, we'll be back on tomorrow from 5 to 7 here at Truth 101.1 FM. My name is Nate Williams, and we are finishing our look at Philippians chapter 2. I'll go to verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow." Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make, me, uh, to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And what I love about uh, these parts of the passage, you have... Paul talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, those who serve with Paul. And what I love about it is it makes the Bible 3D. It is so important that we read the Bible in 3D. What do I mean by that? These texts were not written out of thin air with no context. Nothing was going on. And then, bam, the book of the Bible fell from the sky for us. No, they arose out of situations and circumstances. Uh, you have, uh, let's see, Old Testament, you had prophets writing or scribes writing for them. Uh, you had in the, in, in the Gospels, you had people who were either apostles or those connected to apostles writing, and they arose out of certain circumstances. 
whether uh, Paul wrote, he, he was in prison sometimes. He, uh, he was encouraging others. He was writing general doctrine. He was addressing specific situations. Think about it in 1 Corinthians. The church in Corinth was really struggling with, well, several things. But one of them was sexual immorality. What, what is biblical sexual ethics? Now, again, biblical, I can't use that word necessarily necessarily because the Bible as we have it today did not exist at that time. You just had the Old Testament and maybe some of the Gospels and maybe some of Paul's letters, depending on where you were in the first century. But uh, but anyways, you, you had scripture. What does scripture say about sexual ethics? How did God create the world? How did he design for it to be? And so Paul was addressing pastorally specific situations. Uh, the church in Corinth was very uh, there. There was a lot of strife and uh, disunity and division. Some people were like, "Oh, I listened to this person. I listened to Paul. I listened to Apollo. I listened to Jesus." And so Paul was advocating for unity. Uh, people were not respecting the uh, the the practice of communion. And 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 what I love about passages like this. Paul praising Timothy and Epaphroditus is it, it brings the Bible to life. And I think we need more of that. Sometimes if we mindlessly, I've done this before, we grab our Bible and we open it up. We go, la, la, la. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. So, so, mm, 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 mm. All right. Check. I check the box off for the day. I, I scanned my eyeballs, went across this part of the page. I scanned it and fine. I read my Bible. All right. I'm good for the day. When we do things like that, at that superficial level, we miss so much. The Bible is full of so many incredible stories so many incredible historical events and people and places. And, and we forget that sometimes when we go through the motions that Paul was deeply affectionate for these churches. Many of them he planted himself. He went around, you'll read about his missionary journeys and acts, and he was planting churches or he was helping them, encouraging them, helping to pick leaders. That's what he was having uh, Titus do in Crete and uh, Timothy do as well and all, all those things. Paul was a real person. Isn't that crazy? He's not made up. Uh, David in the Old Testament, the, the, the famous psalmist, he was a real person. The disciples, they were real people and they had emotions and bad days and, uh, you know, they were human. So they, they were smelly sometimes, uh, particularly in those days when you didn't always have the you know, shower, you know, right next to you at all times where you could just clean yourself and just all those things, random things. They, they were hungry and they were, they got angry and they got sad. We need to take a moment and, and, and immerse ourselves in that world. It is not a two-dimensional text. It is not a flat, contextless thing that we can just grab and use as we, as we wish. Paul wrote Philippians for a certain reason. And we've read uh, chapter one last week. Now we read chapter two this week. And I love the affection there that we are supposed to have for the family of Christ. So let me ask you, let's, let's make this personal. Are you affectionate 
towards the other believers in your life? What about your local church? Now, this does not excuse. Oftentimes, when I talk about this, the response can be, well, what about uh, trauma and abuse and, and just bad things that have happened in the church? It doesn't excuse any of that. Please hear me. For those of you who have been hurt in the church, I am deeply sorry for that. And I pray that through just whatever is appropriate, the appropriate means, you come to a place of healing. And then so for those of us, uh, uh, for those of us that I just would say have not experienced church hurt, but we just don't like other believers. Why is that? Why is that? God, God loves everyone. God loves those in the church. And if we, this is what first John, this is a major theme in first John. If we say that we love God and we say we love Jesus, but we don't love his church. I don't think that's really true. I don't think there's love in our hearts and we need to watch. We need to be careful. Um, we need to be careful because what you see in Paul here is that he has this deep love for the mission of God and the people of God. So let's pray that we have that same spirit of Paul, that that we love believers and that we look to serve and we look to help. Uh, again, Epaphroditus almost died and, uh, and, and that would have made that would have been very difficult for Paul to handle. I think about those in my life that I have lost and that you may think of the people you've lost, how it was tough to handle. So anyways, all this is to say it wasn't so much on on doctrine, but just check our heart towards fellow believers. Are we nasty, rude and mean? Or do we have patience? Are we kind? You think of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. Do we have those towards fellow believers? Uh, Josh, I can't remember if I said fruit of the spirit or fruits of the spirit, but whatever I said is supposed to be fruit. It, it, it is just, it's not fruits. It is the fruit of the spirit. Anyways, that's a side note. These are things to think about. So I hope you've enjoyed walking through Philippians chapter two. I know I have. I know it's been convicting to do everything without grumbling or complaining, to value others more than yourself, to live like Christ. But we know that we're going to fail. It's true. We're human. But God gives us grace and mercy. His mercies are new every morning. So let's say you failed today. I understand. So we want to repent. We want to turn from that. But also, we know that our salvation is secure in Christ, and nothing we could do could ever separate us from the love of God. This is Priority Talk Radio, Good News, Christian Values. My name is Nate Williams. It was wonderful to talk with you tonight, particularly during the second hour. Again, we're on Mondays through Fridays from 5 to 7. Uh, we'll have to head off now. We're right about 7 o'clock. We'll be on tomorrow. Y'all be praying. Be active in your church and in your community. Be looking for opportunities to share the gospel uh, as God has loved us so much and so deeply. We are to then go and love those around us. So y'all be safe and we'll be back tomorrow.